Matt Burgess is a senior economist at the New Zealand Initiative Think Tank, a former senior advisor to Sir Bill English when he was Minister of Finance. Matt's been or turned into somewhat of an expert and a, some would say, a provocateur of the Climate Change Commission. Um, others would say that he's calling out uh, the elephants in the room or the home truths and a champion for taxpayers uh, as a result. Matt, the final advice is out. It's been made public uh, today. You spent a few hours seeing it, or you were in the lockup early today, weren't you? So have a little bit of a heads up on on what was in it. So today's um, advice from the Climate Change Commission. So just just to be clear about what's going on, the Climate Change Commission was set up about a year or so ago. Their job is to send advice to the government about how we should be cutting emissions. Their job isn't to set policy. That's up to the government. So today's report was the final advice from the Climate Change Commission for what the next um, five years looks like in terms of how and where emissions come down. The next step in this process is that the government has to decide whether it accepts what the Climate Change Commission has said, which it will, and then the really big event will be later this year, probably in mid-December, the last day of Parliament possibly, when James Shaw tables the government's emissions reduction plan. So when you say accept the advice, you don't mean necessarily accept the recommendations? Accepting the the advice is sort of just a catch-all. Yep, we basically agree with the direction of travel that you're signalling. Okay. But the rubber's really going to meet the road in December when the, the government announces its plan um, for how and where emissions come down. And that's where it's going to get really specific about what cars we can drive, where we work, how we heat our homes in winter and so on. So today's report was significant because it's sort of laying the groundwork for the big announcement later this year of what the, exactly what the government's going to be saying we can do, um, how and where emissions um, come down. So the significance of today is that it's it's really told the government to go as hard and as fast as you can with your plan later this year. The Climate Change Commission, you know, is supposed to be an expert independent body. The whole idea is that independence gives its credibility and gravitas that when it says something, the government listens. That's not the model we've ended up with. It's not an expert body in the sense of being rational, carefully reading the science, being being willing to say things that the government doesn't want to hear. The Climate Change Commission is an activist body. It's essentially, it uses the same language as Greenpeace. Um, it's that's, quite a serious, government. that's quite a serious allegation. I mean, there'll be people um, among our tens of thousands of supporters that think, no, hang on, Taxpayers Union, the New Zealand Initiative, they've got it wrong here. We've got to take climate change seriously. This is a serious issue. Them saying we need to go hard, why is that so bad? Well, because they're not, the actions don't match the words. It's one thing to say we should go hard on climate change, but ultimately the test of an EDI plan uh, is whether it cuts emissions. And this is the problem with everything the Climate Change Commission is talking about. Their plan doesn't cut emissions or nearly enough emissions to get us to our targets. So... You know, so you're saying they should go further, that there should be more of this? They should uh, They should be smarter. They should be, the whole principle of everything they're doing should be to focus uh, efforts on where we can cut the most emissions for the least cost. That is not the approach the Climate Change Commission is taking. The Commission's report today says that we could pay $50 a tonne to get to net zero emissions. So every tonne of emissions, we've got to cut 36 million tonnes of emissions. This is, this is the emissions trading scheme. This is the price we pay to cut each tonne of carbon through all the way down to net zero. So they say we could pay $50, whether it's through the ETS or just through policy generally. They say 50 bucks a tonne could get us to our emissions targets. 
but that's not what they say we should do. Instead, they say we should do all these other things, electric vehicles, um, banning gas connections, shifting to public transport, reshaping cities, all of these big ideas. And as a result, um, on their numbers, which I don't believe, but this is what they say, it'll cost us $250 a tonne. So you've got these incredibly ambitious and difficult emissions targets that we've set, genuinely hard to achieve. And here you've got a climate change commission who is so unconcerned about whether we get to those emissions targets that it wants us to spend five times more than we need to. Now, that's probably the difference between success or failure. Uh, are they worried about that? No, they're not. They've gone ahead uh, and made that recommendation anyway. And when they say five times the cost, it's probably more like 500 because I don't trust their modelling. Why Why do you think? I mean, if you were a, a true believer, um, you, perhaps that's too much of a, a um, pejorative term, but if you are, if climate change is, in your opinion, the first and the last and by far the most important issue facing humanity, of which I think we can assume that Rod Carr thinks that, why would you take this approach? Because we've also been watching what he said. I mean, he published that. Um, uh, our supporters who receive our newsletter will be familiar with the uh, piece I wrote to the people who made a submission, pointing out this extraordinary op-ed that he wrote, basically saying we are, we've, people might be saying we should take the least cost approach, but we're still not going to um, because we think that people will be better off for all these other lofty reasons totally unrelated to climate change. It, do you think that that there's a politician underneath or something like why is Why is he taking us down this path? Well, I think the answer is hiding in plain sight. If you look at the last paragraph of that piece where he rejects least cost, he talks about the underlying agenda. Um, and this, is, this is no conspiracy. They're quite open that they want to transform society. And they have a very particular form of transformation in mind. They want more EVs. They want less coal being burned. They want us taking fewer flights. They want more public transport, more cycling. And that, that fewer flights is quite ironic, given a recent story we uncovered mm-hmm. about the, the, the Climate Change Commissioner, but we'll move on. Congratulations to Rod. Gold status. Wonderful <laughs> achievement. Um, I mean, the irony is that, you know, uh, Rod couldn't say the obvious, which is um, that his fly, all his flights didn't raise emissions by a single gram because they're all covered by the emissions trading scheme. And actually, that's one of the major problems in today's report is a basic misunderstanding by the Climate Change Commission of the existing policy environment that could entirely neutralise everything that they're talking about. We'll get all the costs of their policies. Their policies won't reduce emissions by a single tonne. Look, I think there there is a basic indifference um, from the Climate Change Commission, from other departments in the government and from the government itself about whether emissions policies actually work and cut emissions or not. You know, the one thing that um, solves the climate change problem is lower emissions. And yet it's almost passe to say that to officials, that, look, your policy might not work if you considered whether we should be doing these other things and getting 10 times the, the emissions benefit. That kind of conversation is just beyond the pale these days in Wellington. And so I think, you know, this whole project, you know, when Rod Carr says he doesn't want to cut emissions at least cost, he's saying... What I interpret him as saying, and I think this is pretty reasonable, is that I don't want to. Be, he's saying I don't want to be bound by the normal rules of economics. I don't want to be bound by just cutting emissions. I want to do other things. The reason that he wants to cut, spend five times more than we need to to cut emissions, and where does that extra cost come from? It comes from pushing more EVs than we would need um, based on if we were just thinking about their emissions benefits. EVs aren't that good at cutting emissions, but he's pushing them anyway, so we pay more. 
um, we could cut far more emissions by getting agriculture into the ETS as soon as possible. He doesn't recommend that we do that. But that would be politically dynamite. I mean, that 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 would that's be that's not Rod's problem. See, here's the the whole model is wrong. Here's what the model should be: the Climate Change Commission is an independent body, allegedly supposed to be experts. Um, they're not experts in any of the relevant disciplines of how to cut emissions. Um, uh, well, they're not behaving like it. They're experts in, 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 in central planning, you could argue. They're, they're um, well qualified in central planning and on how to reshape cities. Uh, they don't seem to know much about how to cut emissions. But here's what the model should be. The Climate Change Commission is an independent body and they should be saying things like to the government that the government may not want to hear. Government, the most effective way you can cut emissions is by planting more exotic trees. We're not concerned about the political constraints that face, uh, that you face on that. That's your problem, not ours. But if you want to cut more emissions, government, plant more trees. If you, if once you've planted more trees and you've exhausted that option, here's the next best option and next one after that, next one after that. Government, do everything you can to open the door to genuine emissions reductions by cooperating with other countries. These are the sorts of things we should be hearing from the Climate Change Commission if the problem is lower emissions, which, of course, is exactly what the problem is with climate change. Instead, what we're getting from the Climate Change Commission is, you know, we're actually getting the opposite. We've got a Climate Change Commission trying to shut the door as far as possible on all the most effective avenues for reducing emissions. And once you've done that, all you've got left is what they're proposing, which is all these horribly expensive, inefficient, counterproductive uh, measures, more EVs, um, hard bans on all these technologies, regardless of the consequences, you know, banning the import of, you know, 98, 99% of all imports of vehicles at the moment are petrol and diesel. They want to ban all petrol and diesel imports in um, 14 years. Um, it's uh, quite apart from the political feasibility of all of this. The basic question for the commission should be, is this gonna, is this the best way to help the climate? And they're just not... Do you think they've told... Then the minister here is James Shaw. Do you think that they have produced what James Shaw wanted them to? I think they, I think they're doing exactly what the government wanted, which is this uh, allegedly independent body that gives gives weight and gravitas and thrust to what the government always wanted to do, which was to do more, make more decisions, spend more money, take over parts of the economy, get rid of those awful cars, get rid of the things it doesn't like: cars, coal, petrol. Yeah, I love that. I I love the example you pointed out last time we had you on, which was that. They want us to walk and cycle more, but we're going to be in a fully electric fleet. So why would it matter whether we're walking or cycling more? Yeah, and as far as I can see, I mean, it's 700 pages. We've only had a few hours to look at it. As far as I can tell, that that basic question is not resolved in today's report. So let's let's get into the the weeds a bit more, because at least some of our listeners will be familiar with the draft proposals. And for the the media coverage uh, so far, it'll be interesting to watch 6 o'clock news tonight, what, is that this is a stepping back or a bit a bit of um, the gas has been taken off a little bit uh, as far as the hard edge of some of their proposals. Um, let's look into that. I mean, I note that they won't tell us, um, they won't give us the submissions we've been asking, but they refuse to. Um, but we know that members of the Taxpayers Union um, made between a third and a half uh, of the total number of submissions. And all of them, or 99.9%, pointed out the waterbed effect example. This is the idea that when you make an intervention in an industry covered by the ETS, or unless you're changing the cap of the cap-and-trade ETS system, the emissions just go elsewhere. Have they dealt with that in this final report? Because that's pretty fundamental. 
Well, it is fundamental. This is the whole game. You know, if the ETS caps emissions, then nothing the Commission's proposing will have any effect on overall emissions. Um, they have a they have another go at resolving that conundrum, and they do it in a completely different way. Last time it was the waterbed effect. Um, this time they say that the ETS cap isn't a real cap, and they give three reasons for it. Um, two of them, I, I just don't follow what they're talking about. Something to do with price caps, but the other one. The, the, the third reason the ETS cap isn't a real cap is because they say we have this big stockpile, 130 million um, emissions units sitting as a stockpile. The problem with the explanation is that when the government decides how many additional units to auction to bring into the market, it takes that stockpile into account. It actually reduces the number of um, units it issues new based on with an awareness of that stockpile. So in other words, the fact that we've got that big stockpile of units doesn't change the fact that there's still an overall number of units that the government's going to auction over the next 20 or 30 years. And the number they auction, that stockpile comes out of that number. So the cap is still fixed. Look, it's not necessary to follow the full logic there. Um, from the, the point is that this is mission critical to everything the commission's doing. And they've had two goes at explaining why the ETS doesn't neutralise their strategy. And they've failed both times. Um this is this is absolutely fundamental. So, again, I come back to look. I think the answer is there is no answer. The ETS does um, effectively neutralise every other policy that the Commission is proposing. There's nothing the Commission can do to get around that. Well, you um, said that they, they, they're the using price caps as a reason. It's very What's easy that? to remove. Well, you said that they're using price caps as a reason. It's very easy for them to recommend to get rid of price caps. Isn't that a much. And they they haven't quite. They've actually backed off that slightly. They, they did actually suggest watering down the ETS in the draft report. They've backed off that a little bit this time. They, they still don't like the ETS, and they they don't like they don't like that it, it drives investment into trees. Um, and they 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 suggested watering down the ETS in the draft report. They've backed off that a little bit. But the regardless of exactly how the ETS works, the fundamental effect you know whether whether it builds more trees or not, the fundamental effect is that the, if the ETS caps emissions no matter what you do with other policies, they're not going to reduce emissions any further. And the commissions um, just hasn't been able to respond to that basic critique. Okay. Well, let's let's go through some of the other key things that our um, supporters submitted on. Net versus gross, we were pretty annoyed that they took a gross uh, emissions uh, approach when Parliament was pretty clear that they wanted the commission to take a net approach, meaning emissions minus offsets. Has their approach changed to that? No, they continue to be opposed to offsets as far as they possibly can be. Um, they continue to push gross emissions. They want, I think one of their seven principles is that they want as much gross emissions as possible. In spite of what Parliament said, actually directly contrary to what Parliament said, there's a huge difference between gross versus net. Gross is so much harder, more expensive than, than net emissions because offsets can be quite affordable. Um, getting rid of offsets means you're targeting gross emissions and that just means you would, our emissions targets get vastly more difficult to achieve. Okay. Next, for no environmental benefits. Next question is a lot of people have pointed out that uh, our agriculture in terms of emissions per per cow or per kg of meat or milk or whatever is actually the most efficient in the world. Are they still hammering the farmers in this final report? Yep, they are. They, they want herd uh, size to be reduced by 8%. It was 15%. Um, they do suggest oh, how that- how generous of them. Yeah, well, that's yeah. 
Look, the, I guess the positive side of this is that they suggest that agriculture does um, get a, a carbon price, which is what the rest of us already have been paying for the last 12 or 13 years. Um, that's a positive, right? The right way, if you're going to cut emissions anywhere, you've got to use a price. The Commission uh, accepts that, and it's happy to see agriculture come into the ETS or get a carbon price in some other way. Some of our people might disagree with you on that one. Um, international offsets, uh, you mentioned that they take an approach they really don't like, and of course, political drivers, people don't like pine, farms being planted pine, fair enough. Uh, what about um, doing what some developed nations are doing, which is approaching countries um, to plant forests? Any of that? So to be fair to the Commission, their hands are a little bit tied. The, the legislation um, has already preempted any view from the Commission on that question by saying we, we have to do uh, domestic reductions as far as possible. Nevertheless, the Commission could have sent advice to the government that said, look, um, we're looking at carbon prices of, of hundreds of dollars. Um, we know that there are genuine, robust ways to cut emissions for a few tens of dollars. If you're willing to um, cooperate with other countries, we recommend that either we, the Commission, or other, another government department gets busy um, putting in place an accounting checks and balances system that would allow us to cooperate with other countries, that would open the door to cooperation with other countries uh, in a way that's completely genuine and robust and really does cut emissions and protects us from Ukrainian credits problem, you know, the, this flooding of the market of fake credits. So as far as I can tell, there's none of that in the report. The Commission is perfectly happy. You know, the, the thing is, if the Commission's objective here, and I think it is, they've said it, if their goal is to transform the New Zealand economy, um, it's got to eliminate all alternatives to that. And one of those major alternatives is offshore cooperation. So the Commission is very happy to see cooperation with other countries put to one side permanently. Okay. So many people made a submission on this, and you said that the Commission has picked up language of Greenpeace. I'd love an example of that if you've got one. But is does this final report make any acknowledgement of the enormous number of New Zealanders that made a submission against its central planning? So the the Greenpeace example, so the, there is an example of language. Um, the uh, Commission refers not to natural gas, they instead refer to fossil gas, which I understand is a term invented by Greenpeace. Wow, so okay. It's, it's, you know, yeah, that, it's is, that is political. That yeah. is anything. Once you're changing terms because it polls better, that is inherently political. Well, I think, you know, um, that's a nice example of... of these are activists. You know, these are political activists. They're, you know, if if the science and if rationality and just evidence supported what they were, supported their approach, they'd be talking about that. Instead, you know, they're using silly terms like fossil gas. Uh, they're making bad arguments on, about the ETS and so on. Um, the Commission does refer back to the submissions it received quite a lot through the report, and it has to because the legislation requires it to consult properly and for James Shaw to be satisfied that they have properly consulted. So there's a there's sort of a legalistic reason why they would refer back to submissions constantly. Not that that seemed to have had any... Um, well, I mean, the Commission has, has moved in some places uh, between its draft and its final report, and it's quite possible that was um, in part a product of uh, the submissions it received. I think, you know, probably... The farmers shrink half as much. The farmers and probably the, the shift on EVs possibly wasn't in response what, what, what to... What was that? Just running through that? On, on EVs? On oh, EVs. The, 
the commission has done a, done a switcheroo, if you like. They've pulled back. They're less aggressive on EVs. Their, their draft plan was very EV-centric in a way that just didn't make sense relative to what the modelling um, and the, you know, other evidence available. EVs just aren't a good way to cut emissions. So they've pulled back on EVs, but they've done a switcheroo by ramping up um, reductions that they want from uh, heavy transport, you know, trucks and so on. So um, that may have been, you know, this is, look, I just think this is all political. In the end, the commission is um, uh, is, is just understanding where the, the pressure points are and, and responding um to that and, and shifting to places where they think there'll be there'll be less organised, less of an organised response. I think is what's going on. The other, um, and I'm I'm somewhat reluctant to bring it up even because it is such a hot potato at the moment. So we should be careful what we say. But I saw that there is at least in the coverage and the summary I've read that there is a lot. It the new report or the final report uh, inserts Treaty of Waitangi principles throughout it. How does it incorporate the Treaty of Waitangi into climate change policy? Well, I mean, I might be, but I don't, I don't, I literally don't understand how you would reflect that. Well, I think there's greater reference to the treaty and to principles of the treaty and more assertions that this approach, you know, this particular policy or this particular approach that they're suggesting in any given area is more consistent with the principles of the treaty. Um, and I think it's that's, so it's just assertion. Really. Yeah, that's an assertion that that's okay. what's going on. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no specific explanation of why or how. Um, in fact, I think it's probably the opposite um, in the sense that other things being equal, paying five times more than you need to to get less of a commodity, which is a ton of carbon, hurts everybody, including you know, everything's just harder when you're paying um, five times too much to get rid of something or, or for something, whether it's a commodity or a negative commodity like carbon. You know, so I, I, I think they're probably wrong on that. I don't think it suits anybody, including Māori, um, to be paying uh, far more than is necessary to cut emissions. But um, that's what the Commission's doing. But I think, you know, what's going on? The Commission, if the Commission could lean on evidence and good reason, it would. I think it's it's falling back on these, um, you know, fairly uh, sensitive issues as uh, for protection. You know, it's just it's harder to raise questions, um, the Commission may think, if you're leaning on, you know, sensitive issues like, like treaty issues. Well, let's, let's move on then. I, you mentioned what happens next, the government accepts it and then must respond. Uh, how long is this, pro, you know, how can we fix this, I guess is the question, and what, what should we be doing? This whole issue is political. You know, um, the question, you know, climate change is real. Uh, it's caused by emissions. New Zealand's got its bit part to play. That's not political. That's that's um, that's scientific. But now that we've set our targets and we've decided exactly how many tonnes we have to cut and by when, the question becomes really about economics and politics. And the Commission has just made it about politics. It's just solving a political problem. How do we... Um, how do we um, upset the fewest people to get the, all the things that we want, um, electric vehicles, um, get rid of coal and cars, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think the government is only thinking about this in terms of the politics, uh, and so the thing it's going to respond to is organised pressure to change. If, it's, if it sees an electoral threat in uh, a heavy-handed plan that it's probably thinking about uh, delivering in December right now, 
um, then it's it's going to change it's going to change its mind, and it has unlimited flexibility to go hard or to pull back between now and December. There's an awful lot of um, water to go under the bridge yet. There's, it's still going to get a majority in Parliament. Um, that uh, might be hard. I mean, it, hard, be a party. Through, there'll be scrutiny through the select committee process and so on. So th- there's at least some process that offers protection. But ultimately, if the government sees, you know, I think you saw it after the when the draft report re- was released, this idea that the government is threatening your barbecue. You know, that really cut through to people who, who never look at politics otherwise, and the government immediately responded by ruling that out. They're going to ban firewood now. Right, what's that? They're going to ban firewood now. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure. I, I, I think it might be the opposite. I think uh, firewood counts as bioenergy, in which case it's oh, okay. okay, Jordan. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I was I was going to dig out a cave and bury all the firewood for the next for the um for the rest of my life because I was. Well, that's the irony. You know, I grew up in Christchurch, which was a small capital of of New Zealand, and and a lot of that was well, it's all fireplaces, and of course some of that's coal, but a lot of it is just people burning timber in their fireplaces. You know, damp timber in their fireplaces in the winter. Um, actually, you know, biomass isn't that healthy. Um, uh, but, you know, good luck trying to find that uh, anywhere in the Commission's report. Matt, you're doing God's work. Thank you for uh, for taking us through what is an incredibly complex matter. I agree with you that we've got to step up. I mean, I feel today a little bit like 18 months ago when Sir Michael Cullen recommended probably the most aggressive extreme capital gains tax in the world and we managed to get the government to do a u-turn on it and we did it the old-fashioned way by uh, politics the squeaky wheel gets the oil and we've got to fight this mount a campaign and make it very clear to the politicians in wellington that actually um we do need to uh, address climate change but doing it through a central planning uh, counterproductive method ideologically driven like this has got to end so i look forward to hopefully working with you in the what have we got about six months to of, of runway on this issue uh to um to beat it back yeah that's the key thing jordan it's um you know opposing the commission's plan uh is not um to the detriment of the environment it helps the environment this is not a good plan for the environment it's not a good plan for our back pockets for our standard of living it ticks none of those boxes. And so this plan has to be opposed, whether you're for the environment, whether you're worried about paying the bills, whether you're worried about your kids' prosperity. Uh, this plan is awful and it must be opposed uh, in order to achieve those other things. Matt Burgess, thanks for joining Taxpayer Talk. Thank you. Thank you.